Podcast. This is Bruce, Bruce Sheffer, Agent Provocateur. This is Raya, John Raya, specialist in things brewery. This is Blix, Otto Blix, Agent 187. And this is Double Ot Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of going undercover. And not the kind we we like to talk about. <laughs> Going deep, Mrs. Money Penny. Going Shh. deep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, welcome to the Tri Tech Games Podcast. Uh, your podcast of when things don't go right, we're the ones that get it done quietly, and t- and we take care of business. So. <laughs> <laughs> this week we are talking about Fringeworthy IDET Black Ops, otherwise known as the IDIC, IDIA, the Interdimensional Intelligence Agency. Oh, here's another concept. I just now saw that you printed out all these things because it was like 50 comments back. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is something that's touched on in Portals 3 in the fluff text that Rich wrote. Humans for Earth. Basically, we don't like them aliens. We don't like them termellern. Yeah, sure. Yep. They gotta go back to where they came from, and we're gonna make the fringes American. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need them aliens. They made the paths. They can go back to their home world. You know, fringe path for right. humans. Or we just don't want aliens on our world. They others want to bulldoze those portals. Not realizing that by the middle and late campaign, we rely on those fringe portals to help feed us. What was it that it's in Fringe for the D20 by the late campaign? If the fringe portals are shut down for even 36 hours, thousands of people die. So, yeah. What is this? What? It's in Fringe for the D20. It's in like the final third PDF. Yeah, that that was based on the on the idea that they were doing this massive food uh, lift through the portals to the various parts of the world. If you haven't, if you don't include that as part of your campaign, then that doesn't happen, it, or it's already happened, and and Earth has winnowed out, you know, the the unnecessary people as far as the Earth was concerned. Okay. It was the idea that the Earth was continuing to populate uh, areas of the there's areas of the world which are still massively going up, and and sooner or later there's going to be a big crunch. And IDET tries to keep things from going 
bad, really bad, fast by moving as much food as they can from some of these agricultural worlds in the fridge baths to back, back to you know IDET and the various you know portals in, in Russia and everywhere else, and especially to the one in Easter Island because it has a, a warm water port connected to it, and just sh- literally just throwing stuff through as fast as possible. And uh, if that's part of your campaign, then basically you're like dodging through the portals, trying not to get run over by people trying to shove huge containers of food and, and other types of things through to feed the, the world's the, uh, the world's people. Uh, Blitz, you, I don't know if you put this on here, and and this is another thing, whether you're using your campaign or not, the whole Ufneck thing, the unaffiliated friend, you know, the African Socialist Alliance, Chile. All these nations, they have the Easter Island and the Rabina Sea Portal. You're going to want the intelligence agency to deal with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to watch out also. I mean, we, 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 you know, you always think uh, someone will try to smuggle a nuclear bomb onto Hatsumi and blow it up. They may not, it may not be a nuclear bomb. They may try to smuggle anthrax. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes or biological weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, something that will stay and doesn't go. It has to be take a major cleanup to, to reopen the, the the portal again. If you nuke it, it, it's ice, and ice can be scraped away and let bye bye. But disease, that's a little harder to clean unless you, of course, you want to nuke it again. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that that a lot of people don't understand. They don't understand what a dirty bomb is. Like when people hear about dirty bomb, they think, oh, it's radioactive, so it's like just a, a like a type of nuclear explosion. It's not. So a dirty bomb is is basically radioactive material, so stuff you do not want in your lungs or in your body at all, even the smallest amounts. You breathe in a few micrograms of this stuff and it will kill you. Uh, things like I mean, plutonium, obviously, but like Americanium, was it what that Russian guy got hit with, I think it was, or or was that polonium or something? Polonium. Yeah, Americanium only has a lifespan, has a half-life of two and a half years. Right, right, right. Yes. Okay. So, so something like polonium, right? If you and some of the stuff you can find in construction equipment, like if you break open certain types of uh, detectors, you can actually get radioactive material out of them, and you can put that in something like the size of an M80, and you can blow that up, and if it gets into say the ventilation system, you could shut down the whole base. You can make the whole base like unlivable for decades or until they clean it up uh and this would shut down operations for quite some time and if you think about it all right so let's say they could clean it up within six months you know they put a lot of money into it a lot of investment they, they get this thing cleaned up but what is the agency that did that doing in that time that IDET has no access to the portal right what other things are going on while that is happening you got agents out there that can't come home You've got, I mean, like all kinds of crazy stuff could happen. So you got to protect against that. And dirty bombs are very, uh, they are scarily easy to, to to put together and to set off. There's, It's very low tech, very, very low tech. I mean, there's a story about this Boy Scout who built a nuclear reactor using material he got from a discarded uh, um, 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 uh, fire detectors. Right. And smoke detectors, right. Built, he built a working nuclear reactor, and and construction equipment is easy to get in from get that stuff from. So you, I mean, it's very it's a very real world threat, and um, it would be it wouldn't be very difficult for an agency. Anti fringe worthy elements, yeah, they would do that stuff, and yeah. So you need I 
Idia. Because you're going to want to pronounce the name. You're not going to want to keep saying IDIA and IDEA. They'll come up with a name for themselves. They'll come up with a special name because they want they to call it. Um, IDEA. I like IDEA. <laughs> what? Fringe spooks. Fringe spooks, right. All right, so then, so then we got, you know, like another part of that on world is reclaiming portals from dangerous elements. So what if – well, see this, you know, I don't know, maybe not, because I'm thinking, you know, that would be the, the military would just swoop in if a dangerous element took over. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking like taking back taking back the Easter Island portal, that would be yeah. a major military operation. They're not going to do spies. They're coming in. These people are coming to them 16s and bulletproof vests and tanks and planes. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. So then we have off world. So for for off world, some of my thoughts were uh, like rogue agents. So Rogue agents dangerous to Earth Prime and its allies. So let's say you've got another world where there's a di- let's uh, I don't know let let's say there's like a General Mao type guy who has control of an of, of a portal, and he discovers where Earth Prime is, and he decides that he is going to uh, create some a whole lot of trouble for us. But it's a dictatorship, and you think with the right you know kind of medical precision type strike. You could you could end that whole thing, you know. If like if say that guy were to disappear, maybe the next guy that would succeed him, or the civil war that would happen after that, you could maybe negotiate with those people. So you might send in an agent to take care of take care of business. Hmm. Um. So, so either that or a pirating group, like a, like a fringe pirate group that's you know pretty active and they've got their stuff together, but it's mainly you know it's it's. They're, they are led by, you know, very like like a few strong individuals. And if you were to take care of take care of those individuals, they would lose their cohesion. You know, that that might be a, a good way to use, you know, like and we're talking we're talking wet works here. We're talking dirty, dirty work. Now, now you did mention you could call them rogue agents, so I can actually see that as, you know, I was imagining it would be more along the line of, okay, so you know, team twenty-three goes to this world and decides to, you know what? I like this place. And look how many fringeworthy there are here. Yeah. No, okay, that's a good point, John. Yeah, absolutely. That that fits in that category. So yeah. And they and they know the protocols and, and they know the call signs for the next uh say six months. Right. Uh, and they have they have the one use book, the one use pad for getting into places. And and not only that, but but you know, IDET would feel responsible because even if they weren't a threat, let's say they weren't even a threat to Earth Prime, let's say they were a threat to other worlds around them, IDET would say, "Well, we train these people, and we, you know, we're responsible for taking care of our own garbage." Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that could fall, that could fall into a, a religious group who finds out that they uh, got fringeworthy, and mm-hmm. decide to go out there, and and they're going to just spread their religion, one way or the other. Right, and and that could that could um you know that that falls into the next category of you know them like say becoming warlords. So they go to some world and they say you know I I like these people and uh, I could lead them. What was his name from um, um what was Colonel? What is his name from? Uh, yeah, Apocalypse Now. 
Yeah, exactly. That's 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 what I was thinking. You know, you get a guy like that who's this ignag. You know, he 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 shows up at this world. He's way more advanced than they are. He starts talking. You know, he talks a good game. He gets them to follow him. And maybe it's not even like, you know, maybe it's not even like a fully fleshed out world. Maybe it's a world that has friends worthy on it, and they're only there because they discovered it. Maybe there were some travelers or whatever. And he winds up, you know, recruiting all these people to follow him. And it's just like, oh my god, this guy is becoming very, very, very dangerous. Well, well, he, he's, he's either trying to capture that world, you know, he finds a world, he finds he finds a lot of like-minded people uh, there who will follow him, and because he can, because he, he can find a few that can go back with him through that magic magic hole, right? Really good weapons to arm the army of conquest, right? You know, I mean, if if everyone out there has bows and arrows, and you have Uzis. Yeah, exactly. Guess who? Yeah, and depends on the world too. I mean, you know, you can. Always, you know, there's various times. I mean, say you know, say uh, some uh, a South African team steps through antebellum uh, pre 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 Civil War South, um, uh, you know, of the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, and they go. Things can happen, you know. That, that was actually the premise of the uh, was it the guns of the uh, the guns of the South by uh, uh, Turtle Dove. The, some uh, disaffected South South Africans decided to build a time machine to go back and well change the Civil War. Oh, oh, you oh. know that. Let's let's move on a little bit here because we got a couple more we got to go through. Uh, recapturing was another one that I thought of. Uh, People are inevitably going to smuggle in alien tech and sell it to rogue nations, NGOs, etc. Now, we talked about this before, but it's like, so what happens when you discover that somebody's doing it, but they've been doing it, right? You might want to have agents go get that stuff. Like, yeah? Oh, uh, a non-governmental organization. Like I was – yeah. So they, they're not a um, – like the World Health Organization is an NGO. Right. They're not beholden to a nation. So they're, they're, they're sort of like their own entity. They're, apolitic, they're, they're apolitical. Right. And so, you know, they have their own sort of – like Greenpeace be considered an NGO. Okay, got it. All right. Uh, PETA. Magic to melon seeds that make stuff grow. Right. And they decide. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. Perfect. So, and they decide Greenpeace gets a hold of these, these seeds from one of the agents. They, they manage to, to get one of these agents. Maybe he does it through ideology. Maybe he agrees with it. Maybe he's one of them. And they're like, we're going to turn the earth green. Screw it. You guys have been trying to cut it down and trying to destroy the earth. We're going to turn the whole friggin' planet green. These trees will grow right over your cities. Oh, look at these purple weeds. These purple weeds are so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where, where <laughs> this is where you need your your IDIA to get in there. Go find out who got these seeds and get these seeds back at whatever it takes. This is where I think this is where the non-fringery side of the of of of, uh, of this will come into play. I, mean, I can actually see running a game where you no one's fringery in the team. They're they're dealing with all the stuff that comes through. Oh my god, you could you could run a a 
it would get boring after a while, but you could do it for a little while. You could have a campaign where you're you're playing all non-fringeworthy people dealing with all the fringeworthy overlap stuff. Rescuing, you know, rescuing uh, 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 fringeworthy who have been kidnapped by various groups. Mm-hmm. That's something they would do. I mean, then that's something that would happen. I mean, you know, why do you think everyone move, moves to Alice Spring because they can be on a secure base and not have to worry about being kidnapped? Let's say there's a fringe worthy out on the fringe paths. And they know that, oh, fringe worthy make a lot of money. They're popular. We're going to kidnap this guy's daughter. Those non-fringe IDIA agents would have to go in, put a bullet in that guy's brain, and make sure that kid gets safe. That would be something else. Yeah, no Lindbergh child, please. No. You know, when you're playing a fringe-worthy game where you're thinking that my family is not safe because of my unique ability, someone... But there are just certain times where the IDA, IDIA is going to come up. They're going to be needed for things like this to do it quietly, to make sure that while our guys are out there on the paths, you know, trying to help us advance and become a better society and a better planet, we're here making sure that their interests are safe so they can do their job unobstructed. You know, and this also fills out the whole thing that we've been talking about with, um, you know, agents and things that we've tried to stress over the years of, of people when they're playing their characters. They're not they're not just these guys who are running around interdimensional, you know, interdimensional worlds and everything. There, there's a whole dynamic to this. There's a home dynamic to it. There's a whole, you know, and this pulls people. You can really use this to do a lot of pulling people back to Earth Prime. It's like, well, why would we ever stay on Earth Prime? Why would we ever go back to Earth Prime? It's like, because there's actually a lot of stuff to do there if you if you have the right um, you know, frame of mind to do it. Yeah, I mean, in the early years, before we get a, another portal open, you can only go six months out of the year unless you're one of the teams that get, you know, you said, okay, you're the winner over teams. You get to you get to go to, to uh, Victorian Earth to do... To, uh, Get supplies, uh, but make sure you bring back fresh food for us down here in Hatsumi for the for the overwinter team. Uh, <laughs> right, right, exactly. So basically, you know th- that six months is training and and going and going on in, in the early years, going on talks, talk shows, visiting places. Uh, one of my players, Todd Zercher, uh, he had his character's wife. She was a Filipino. Get her own TV show. Hmm. Yeah. You know, right. A couple years back, I remember you mentioned this. Yeah, yeah. She she has her own TV show, and she and she can get fringe worthy on her TV show when when, when no one else can. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so yeah, she's very famous, and of course, of course, she's got security because yeah, she's very confident that yes, someone can come along and try to kidnap me. So she's got guys who stand about yay tall and yay wide, and they don't laugh when you tell them jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Keep keeping up with the fringeworthy, right? Yeah, I can see that the early early fringeworthy are, of course, yeah, like you said, yeah, they got they they're fairly wealthy because of the early bonuses the government's paid them. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, like, but but value beyond value beyond wealth. You know, I mean, they have like it's like, oh yeah, well, you run out of money, we can tap by debt for money because they're gonna want you to stay working because you're you're replaceable. I mean, in a lot of ways, you're replaceable. All right, so th- then 
let me let me move on a little bit more. We have uh, another one was advisors. So this is much like you know the American government has done quite a bit of this advising, and you can't see me doing the air quotes, but my co-host can. Um, agents sent to other worlds to help them against an undesired element. Hello, I'm from the American government. I'm here to help you. against you against the red threat in your country um so so these would be people that would go to other go to other worlds and would advise them on ways to uh do things to keep things uh beneficial to the to the to idet's organization so if you were to go to some world that had like a communist type government, maybe they would advise the rebels on how to subvert that government to make things better for IDET when they eventually decide to come to that world. Yeah. What was it? In the invasion of the USA, uh, how to help the, uh, how oh. help the, 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 the rebels with the, with, you know, get rid of the communist invaders. There you go, John. Prime example. Very good. I'm also thinking that because when I set up um, Alt Zero Two, which is the uh, Victor- the Victorian Two world, uh, it's it's in the cups of well war, because basically a uh, way where I worked later that was that there's still slavery in the in the American Commonwealth, and the British and the British government keeps threatening of, of to well emancipate the slaves, and that's a large a large threat to a lot of landholders and it's really touchy there. And I, I say, this is one of the main reasons why no one really goes there openly because it would set things off, but there's nothing stopping agents undercover going there and suggesting things like, well, have you folks built trains yet? No, here's how you build a train. Cause you got all this coal here in, in, in Virginia. Here's how to build a steam engine that you can build that you can build your current technology. You know there was there was no America, and it basically they were, were kept. Uh, there's no America. There's the Commonwealth, which includes Canada, um, uh, the what we call America, and uh, the Caribbean, uh, various Caribbean islands, all belong to the all belong to Britain. Up to the Mississippi, past Mississippi is Louisiana, which is under the rule of uh, Napoleon's uh, son. Uh, so. We don't talk about France because France broke into four separate countries, five countries, but one collapsed and got eaten by the other four. Yeah, but but the yeah the point is it is is basically you're sending an agent in to think make things favorable favorable for your interests. Yeah, I mean we we want a, we want a nice world on our own platform. We don't want you know these the, you know we want a place that actually is safe to send agents to you know. Um, for supply. I mean, it actually is another farm world. It's some place they can actually go to and get more supplies, but it doesn't help us if they're in civil war with, with, the, with the Redcoats, you know, at that point. Right. So, yeah. And that makes me wonder at this point, you have agents, but to get that connection, you, you know, either find Frenchworthy or you find Quislings. Quislings? What's a Quisling? Basically, a, a double agent. It was named after, I think, a World War II German man, Joseph Quisling, who that so that like Benedict Arnold. How we got that term because he was a tra- okay yeah, a traitor. Yeah, you're looking for a person who'll be a traitor to their to their people, basically, and basically work on behalf of Unita. 
I learned something new. <laughs> yeah, and some people aren't really good with that because I set that situation up for my players with uh, that with this, with the world in question. The person in question was the former governor of the province of Virginia, James Buchanan, and he really toward the end there was getting really. I'm not quite sure as uh, whether or not I can do this or not. I mean, these are my people, and you're paying me gold to well lie to them, right? Because he's also a rampant abolitionist, which is another reason why he's the ex-governor of Virginia. Uh, right. It's like he just he didn't get ha- he didn't get strung up, but he's very wealthy. He's now actually very wealthy because he's been given all this gold from Earth Prime, you know, in unmarked, un- un- unsigned, uh, you know, little gold bars. They can easily melt down and recast wherever he, however he wants to at that point to pay off people. But yeah, he toward the end there, toward the end of the game, he was getting really antsy about being a traitor to his own people, and they're trying yeah. to figure a way to help to help him. And the, the players said they didn't really care for that. They had actually had to help convince him to be that traitor. Nice, <laughs> you know. Well, that's I mean that's good role playing. Of course, it wasn't secret with him because, unfortunately, to help things out, because he's like in the sixties or seventies, and the the portal was located in an underground cavern. Because when they showed up, when they showed up, when they showed up to talk to him, they found a cabin. If someone had built a building in there, and you know it wasn't James Buchanan, right, <laughs> right, you know, so people knew. So you know, the secret gets out. There's more people know about the, the strange ring down there that floats in the middle of the air. And right, been, you know, and all that's good stuff. So, yeah, it's hard to keep secrets, you know, when you add more people. Right, right. So then we, you know, so so agents. I mean, that's that's pretty, you know, advisors. Pretty pretty self explanatory. It's pretty easy concept to grasp. So then we have uh, we had infiltration. Um, or actually, you know what? Let's rewind a little bit. Hey, Bruce, you still with us? Yep. Yeah, did you want to add anything? Because we're just jabbing away. I know. That's why I haven't added anything. We were excited, man. We got a good show. Go ahead, Bruce. Come on, chime in. What you got? Uh, uh, nothing right now. I'll, I'll... Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you first go on this next one. How about that? So infiltration, dangerous, dangerous agencies exist, and ID, the IDIA will need intel. So this is basically. You've got other worlds out there. You've got people like the Coptics, Trav. You've got, um, you know, you've, you've got uh, the, the the Golden Horde. You know, their potential potential problems, and we need agents to infiltrate and, and uh, gather information on these agencies so that we know what's going on. Like we don't just have to to guess. It's like, oh yeah, these guys, these Coptics are out there and they're dangerous. Well, how do you know they're dangerous? And what are they doing? And where are they? And where are they moving? We might want agents embedded with them. Identifying foreign agents uh, is not a common skill. It's not something, you know, police officers do not get trained in how to identify foreign agents. They get identified how drug dealers, terrorists, stuff like that, but they don't get trained in this. So this is a very specific skill set that has to come from training from your own intelligence community. And uh, the Coptics uh, may uh, may be better at it than we are, but they probably aren't. So therefore, you're going to get one of those situations where if you've read um, the Bureau 13 uh, 
uh, novels, uh, which they dealt a lot with spies. Uh, you have the guy who basically creates himself to be a walking, talking, hey, look, I've got something to hide outfit uh, by, uh, uh, for example, he, he wouldn't put, uh, took makeup and he put it on his brown his brown skin to make it look brown. And then, of course, he, he put on contacts to make his brown eyes look brown. And then he did these other things. He, he went and uh, uh, raised, uh, uh, put lifts in his shoes, but then he, 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 he did something to hunch his shoulders down. So everything about this guy said, something's wrong here. Uh, the scene where um, the lead character is going into Matthias Bolt's uh, mansion. Yes, because yes, he wants Matthias Bolt to cast a spell on him, which is to say, tell me what you know, because he has the spell that reflects it back on Matthias Bolt. Yes. Right. So my point here is is that there are people out there that are trained to recognize these kinds of things. Okay, And so you need to be trained in how to do that if you're going to do your job effectively. Not only so you can recognize, you know, the, the guy across the bar who is a spy, but also so you know how not to act like somebody who's a spy, because there are you know because there are ways of looking innocuous that are not easily uh, learned without explicit training. Right. So I'm just saying is that if you want to go do this, your own spy community is going to is be your number one resource for teaching you how to properly set up an identity. You know what things you should do, what things you shouldn't do. How you know how should you get involved with the local girl? You know uh, how much should you tell people? I mean, they they basically have this chapter inversed from doing you know uh, deep cover stuff for you know in some cases centuries, but at least for the last hundred years. So it would be a shame to go and do any kind of covert operation without at least running it by the experts. Right. Pointed out, you know, sneaking into a, 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 a place where you don't look like everyone else can be dangerous. So, you know, you know, if all the Celtics look Semitic, well, then we're going to need to get a Semitic agent to get in there, or you're going to need some, uh, you know, some surgery, yeah, or some surgery, yeah, something to change your appearance. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking that as as time goes on, it gets harder and harder to do this stuff without using Tamilian technology to alter your appearance. Because eventually it gets to the point where they, you know, the guy's wearing a special set of glasses that that says oh, that's a false nose that guy's wearing, and he's got makeup on. Okay, I got to watch out for him. You know, it's based on uh, based on refle- based on a spectrum spectrum reflection off the guy's face from the lights. He can if you're going up against the Coptics, something that you're going to need. I mean, massive research on this. The type of Latin that they spoke. I'm sure is an older form of Latin than what we would use today for law, medicine, and religion. So you're going to need somebody who knows that old form of Latin to be able to, because Latin is their lingua franca. Don't forget the gifted language. If you're lucky and you go to a place where there is all context, you got it in the bag. Yeah. There's going to be, John, yeah, but here's the thing. John, nine times out of ten, you're not going to be going on a world that's wholly Coptic. If you're sending somebody into deep cover on negative 140 prime, the roof's homeworld, it better be for a really good reason. Nine times out of ten, you're going to be going into places like Coptic bases on other worlds 
and Coptic encampments where the lingua franca, the language that you're gifted with, is not Coptic Latin. So you're going to need to know it. The chance that you are going to walk onto a world that is more, i.e., Coptic Prime, is infinitesimally small. And as, like I just said, if you're having to infiltrate the Coptic home world, there's a term Habibi used. You've baller status because you are one hell of a spy if you could do that. Right. Yeah, because hey. yeah, I'm thinking that it wouldn't be an old version of Latin. Actually, it would be a mixture of Coptic and Latin. It's the two sort of melted together because I remember the history. Yeah. Basically, it's a version of Latin that doesn't exist on Earth Prime. And and why does it matter considering that the uh, portal is going to give you the language? Ooh. Oh, uh, but if it's a small encampment and everyone else speaks, say, uh, Celtic. Yeah, that's me. Nine times out of ten, you're not going to be given the only place that you're going to be getting the Coptic tongue gifted to you is either on a world that's already been conquered or negative 140 prime. Yeah, but even on the world conquered, you'll be a version of Coptic that's been, well, diluted by the locals. You'll sound like a local. What we're talking about here, though, is, I mean, what we're getting into is. You know, so, some of the really, like, like important minutiae of the whole thing, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to send this agent in. Well, are you going to – you're just going to send this agent in? You know, it, it may even be that you're going to send an agent in to talk to the agent that's actually going to do all the work. So let's say, you know, you have an agent go in and he, he observes and he sees that there's, you know, I, again, I'm not trained in this whole field of sp- Spy and skullduggery, but he observes someone that he he thinks he can approach on the inside, and he actually gets them to be the spy, and they're the spy that does all the work. Uh, he is the go-to, you know. He's the or the go-between rather. He's the go-between. I mean, you know, you can get all agent, you're going to get all Mission Impossible on this, uh, but like you said, I mean, this is where translator beads and translator bracelets come in handy, but. Of course, it's like you're in a bad movie or watching Peter talk as through the timeline. You know, right. the, <laughs> <laughs> do we now? Do we? Do we? Is there? Is there a skill for this? Do we have skills for this stuff? For this spy stuff? Uh, there's language. There's a lingua skill that will let you let you learn language, but you got to take time to learn the language. No, I mean, but do do we have skills like um like uh? Are you talking about Savage Worlds? Well, any any yeah. Well, there's Savage Worlds, right? Um, well, because Pathfinder now is pretty much what D20 is, uh, to discern various types of spoken and written, that would be linguistics. Oh, no, no. I'm talking, I'm talking about spy skills. Like just, just the, your. No, I mean, you, 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 in Savage Worlds, you have to, you create an edge. You can create an edge for a spy. Right. And you use feats in D20. Or you, or you can go with a purely skill-based system like the TriTac rules where they had tons of them. Yeah. Yeah, but did we have skills like I don't know? I'm trying. I can't think of the, the breaking and entering, wiretapping, uh, disguise. Uh, they yeah, they did have infiltration as one of them. Espionage. Espionage. That's the guy. There you go. There's the word I'm looking for. Is there a skill for espionage? 
That's that's a large skill set. That's <laughs> I know. Espionage is like you know is, is like sports. You know, I'm I'm good at baseball. Well, are you a catcher? Are you a, a pitcher? Are you a hitter? Are you 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 the guy that you the guy that goes out there and makes all the grass really nice and the right height. I mean, <laughs> this is, there's a lot of different jobs there. You know. I hand I hand the bats out to the guys. Can you pitch a bag of peanuts from the from 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 the uh, you know the box row all the way up to the second row this the second bleachers back? I'm the most important person. I wear I wear the I wear the mascot outfit. Yeah. All right, all right, you clowns. You know what I mean. <laughs> Take a look at a system that supports espionage. Uh, the James Bond system. Uh, there's various spy games out there now. Um. Well, again, in D20, there was <coughs> Spycraft. Oh, yes. oh, I can't believe I forgot that one. I've got a bunch of that. I got a uh, hard copy and PDF of Spycraft. I don't why, don't why I uh, didn't think of that one. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything. I don't know if, I don't know if there's any equivalent in Savage Worlds, but I haven't looked. It may actually be something equivalent in Savage Worlds. Uh, I'll have to look and see. Um, but I don't remember off the top of my head if it, any spy stuff in Savage Worlds. But you're right, in Savage Worlds would be all done through um, uh, edges at that point. You get an edge. To, in fact, you probably use standard edges right now to make yourself a better linguist and, and uh, more observant. They actually have a, an edge called Investigator that lets you, it helps you in research and so forth and spotting things. I'm using this now for a couple of my campaigns because I have agencies involved. For D20, and that means you can use it for Pathfinder because it's all backward compatible. It is from a company called RPG Objects, and that's their site, RPGobjects.com. Blood and Secrets. They have this whole line, blood and this, blood, blood and secrets. It's basically D20 espionage. Has ranks in an agency, various feats that you can use for um, getting by in the agency and getting your job done. So yeah, blood and secrets, for, I, that's what I would recommend for basically D20 spy work if you don't want to go spy crap. Actually, I found some. There's Agents of Oblivion for Savage Worlds, Millennium Knights, which is more uh, more cyberpunk, it looks like. Uh, there's React, another another setting. So yeah, there are settings for Savage Worlds. Yeah, so yeah, they actually have settings for Savage Worlds. Uh, Rangarok, that sounds like a fun system and Ragnarok I have it oh and the temporal property agency core actually hey, so I I have are you talking about savage worlds at Ragnarok right no, the Ragnarok for Ragnarok for savage worlds yeah I have that it's actually pretty cool it's it's neat it's uh basically it happens during World War two and you're playing in like a pulp is later just slightly after I guess rocket punk I don't know it's actually pretty neat and like I said there and there's other so yes you can always find some book to give you some ideas uh some and some 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 uh, edges so you so you can make these agents uh, and uh, they're either they're fringe worthy or they don't have to be free like we said you can do the non-fringe worthy thing too because remember, we also have to guard against infiltration from the other direction. And remember that a lot of the information that you're going to be dealing with is actually going to come from the GM because it's driving the plot. 
so therefore he wants to give it to you. So it could just be that instead of you having a special ability, a lot of it might just come to you because it's part of the story. It's part of the adventure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you could actually run a gum. You could probably run Fringe with the Gumshoe. It would work as well because Gumshoe is designed to make sure you get the information you need. And if you do really well, you get extra stuff. But you get the information you need to complete the scenario. It's not like, do I get it or not? No, you get it. It's what you do with it that's important. Well, yeah, always. Okay, you had two more, Blix. Uh, defection. Yeah. So you've got, so Defection. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, actually, I only had one more. It's my last one. All right, so Defection. So there will be agents willing to defect to the IDIA from hostile agencies. They might need help. Maybe their families are being held hostage to the work for the agency. So I'm thinking, you know, you got somebody like, and, and, and I don't want to pick on China. I, I have some Chinese friends, and I, I, they're actually some really nice people. But it's a role-playing game, and so I'm going to stay action-oriented, and I'm going to pick on them again. But let's say you've got, say, China, and they've got their Chinese agents. Uh, and there's, there's a portal up that way, right, John? The, the nearest one would be – there's one in Russia, and there's one in near Japan, but it's on the other side of Japan. All right, so I can pick on the Russians then, all right? Yeah. All right, so the Russians have got an agent, and or, and and he's working for them. But the only reason he's working for them, he doesn't really want to. He doesn't like the way they do things. The only reason he's working for them is because he's French-worthy, and they've got his family hostage. And again, Russian people, I'm sure Russian people are awesome. You know, we're 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 being stereotypical game players right here, right now. Okay, so if you're Russian or listening, I'm just doing this for whatever reason. You know, for for. I don't know plot reasons because he's mean because I'm mean but let's say uh, (laughs) let's say they're forcing their family uh, at gunpoint and and, and you have to go do this thing or else they'll you know they'll hurt your family Uh, maybe you know we'll send an agent in or a team of agents in to go rescue the family and help that agent defect and and work for IDI, you know, work for the IDA in the Fringeworthy canon, and it, even in the D twenty, it, it's posted in a lot of the fluff text. There's plenty of people from the unaffiliated, you know, the Ufnek, Africans, Chileans. We don't like, you know, it's like what? There's a better standard of living in IDET. Remember, there were people defecting in droves to get out of those socialist countries in Africa to get out of the military junta in Chile. They were defecting all the time, and they had that same problem. I want to join IDET. I'm fringe-worthy. Problem is, my family's back home, and they'll kill them if I leave. Right. But I have information, that, and I'm another fringe-worthy. I am willing to work for you, with you. So, yeah, that would be a way, that would be something they could do there, and doing it without spending any particular nationality, yeah. Yeah, you know, Trav, you're right. Maybe I should pick on the Chileans because in the game, the Chileans are bad guys. So I, I can pick on them because because game mechanic wise, they they are. Here comes the air quotes. Bad guys, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> well, and not just the Chileans, the the whole African thuggery. Yeah, socialist alliance that's in the group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, or if you don't like that, you can always be a North Korean. Yeah, nobody likes them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you know, and and another thing, but this this goes beyond our you know our world. Let let's say you you've got um, let's say you've got the the golden horde, right? And you're you're partying with the con and stuff, and one of the guys says, you know, I. I'm not like these guys, you know, he, he, he's one of the golden horde, but he's, he's like the, um, who's the big guy in game of Thrones, the, the, the librarian, you know what I'm talking about? You guys watch that show anyway. All right. So th- there's one of the characters, he, he works on the wall. So he's, he's at, he's stationed at the wall, which is like this, this front between, uh, a regular society and, and, and the, 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 the white walkers for these evil, you know, the frozen zombies. So, all the people at the wall are like, you know, like the salt of the earth. They're, they're, they are they are very tough, and they're expected to 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 be just unbelievably tough and dedicated and everything. And they've got this, they've got this one guy, and, and they're sort of like the foreign legion too. So people are sent there, you know, ex criminals and losers, and you know, sometimes people will, you know, will send somebody there because they can't do anything else, and it's just like, well, you might as well die at the wall. So they've got this one guy in the show who's there, and he's very he's very very smart. Um, he's he's more of an intellectual. He's not a very good fighter at all. And and this is what I predict. You know, a guy like this might be with the Golden Horde. You know, he's like he's like the librarian of the Golden Horde. He 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 fights with the rest of them to like collect books and stuff. And it's like you don't realize how valuable these books are. And they're you know they're always pushing them around and stuff. And he's just like talking to one of the i you know one of the IDEC guys and just like I would love to leave here. Could I could I go work with you guys? Because th- this is just this is just not the place for me. And and I could see Idet wanting to, you know, bring this guy in because he's gonna have intimate knowledge of the Golden Horde. But at the same time, this is gonna have to be like this is tricky, right? So you might want to have to sneak this guy out. There may even need to be like a body left behind that's unidentifiable that becomes him. Fake his you know? death. Yeah, fake his death. Whatever. You know, I'm just saying that 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 you know this would be a really cool mission for the for, for your intelligence agency to bring this guy out because he's gonna have like intimate knowledge because not only is he one of the golden horde but he's like the smart guy like he's been collecting their records he knows their history he may even come with maps and all kinds of stuff. I was also thinking of scenario with with one of the vigil Knox deciding to to uh, yeah. I want to go someplace where you know. You have less slavery than we do. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, how about someplace, you know, I can see a lot of people who are coming from worlds where they don't, you know, are, are very tolerant of people with uh, alternate lifestyles. All of a, and they come to IDET where basically we love everybody. Yeah. I'm sure that would be a big plus. Sure. Sure. Basically, all the reasons why, you know, all, all of our propaganda about why all the Russian agents are coming to America is exactly the same, t- the same things that we would be using, you know, in saying why other people from other worlds would want to come to IDET. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, also, remember, there's the, there's the inverse. The guy, you know, he visits uh, Pax Romana and just loves the place. Trouble is, he works for the, for the IDIA. Mm. And he, you know, he's seriously considering, you know, setting up a nice little farm in uh, Sicily and raising cabbages. Yeah, right. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And leave I and leave I D I A. Well, that's gonna happen. Well, hold on, wait. But okay, so you're working for I D I A, and you find out that this guy is wanting to do this. Do you, you know, liquid? 
liquidate him or or double agent or double agent where right. he's there on you know pax romana and doing the cabbage farmer and sicily thing but he's all collecting intel for us on them i exactly there yeah, yeah but what so this guy, so but, but what's this guy is uh, say he's not american say he's russian or say he's so you know he, he, and he decides to burn bridges oh he good very good yeah yeah, he can decide. You know, oh, by the way, you know, you come in, you find that what happened to all the all the uh, the the flash drives? They're all gone. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps, or yeah, you know, we're talking a time where the Romans actually have capability to read well these CDs or DVDs. Well, well, John, maybe maybe it's it's more maybe he's he's more takes bigger chances than that. Maybe he tells the. Uh, the, the leadership that uh yeah these these idet guys want me to to be an agent for them but I could feed them wrong information and he, he actually does become a, a double agent and why does he do that because he gets a really nice farm that way you know he gets some really big perks that way and he can he can live like a king there because he's working for them feeding crap information to idet yeah Someone figures it out when he, so he some information he gives them that doesn't quite pan out, right? right. <laughs> and maybe maybe that's one of your missions. Go take this guy out, <laughs> you know. And and it's like and it's not going to be easy because their government actually likes him. Yeah, and you know, when you say he's got a little farm in Sicily, yeah. First off, you have to go from Londinium mm-hmm. to Sicily, and hopefully get back. <laughs> right. Yeah. After you do the job, you know, I mean, you have to find some way of doing it. And someone, some bright spark might say, wait, Sicily, isn't that near um, a volcano? Right. <laughs> and get some sort of high tech device that still works after you bring it out of the um, portal. It's, you know, someone's idea of a joke, you know, oh, yeah, it's a volcano starter. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's getting the Q territory, though. I don't know if you, how, how close you want to get the Q territory. Because you could really get into Q territory with this, with this, or with with with, with the Fringeworthy in terms of funny, good, good crap to play with. Well, see, that's the whole. As far as I'm concerned, that's the whole reason to do it. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I've always. I mean, I cannot get my players to really grab onto the concept that they're playing in the late campaign and really the sky's the limit. They just don't get it. You know, I mean, I recently, you know, said, okay, here's a guy, you know, he puts a backpack on the ground. It creates a vortex in the air. You know, one of the guys leaps into the vortex and turns into a giant dragon and lands. And they're like, oh, well, I guess they're better than us. And I'm like, no, they're not better than you, you idiot. Well, you know, late campaign is very. I mean, that is that that Bruce. That is very difficult for people. Yeah, because they're used to uh, being on the scarcity program that the that the early IDET is, where nothing works. Right. You know, so getting them past that and getting them into the middle of late campaign mindset is, <laughs> I find it very challenging. Right. I, I imagine. I imagine. I mean, I'm tossing drama decks at them. I'm tra- I'm tossing, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, equipment tokens. I'm like saying, <laughs> they go back to IDET and they don't get any new equipment. They said, okay, we got some information. Let's go back. 
I'm, I'm, I am really glad you said that. So, um, talking about the drama deck. So playing one of these guys or playing in an adventure with these guys, the drama deck would be fantastic. I mean, it would be an, uh, nearly essential uh, to, do, to doing it really well. Right, because it radically changes the situation. And that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much what happens in James Bond movies. I mean, he literally just has, like, fate rolling around him constantly. Because in most cases, there's no way he'd be able to survive most of the time. You know, what do you want me to do? I want you to die, Mr. Bond. And then the space shuttle crashes into the building. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, like... Or luckily, he happened to hear them t- talk about something grand slam, and he uses that to uh, BS his way into surviving. Yeah. All you gotta do is, is convince them that you have information they need. Well, that always works, actually. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, actually, you know, that's what the bluff. That's what the that's what the bluff skills all about. Yeah. People always use the bluff skill wrong. It's always like, you know, hey, uh, I, you know, I, it, it says, when do you get off work? You know, oh, I know this party, you know, where the women are hot and the beer never stops running. You know, this is let me through and I'll, I'll, I'll stop back later and bring you to it. Really? Yeah, sure I will. You can get it. I mean, it's, it's like the, the guy putting on. Oh, what was it? They had a commercial on it. The guy goes and and, and gets like a. Um, uh, a pizza out of the frozen market. He puts it into a box. He writes pizza on it. Okay. He puts something on his shirt and he goes into like one of these Hollywood parties and everybody accepts him because he's the pizza guy and he's dancing the night away with all the, you know, all the stars, you know, all, all the people that can't even, can't even get into, uh, was it, uh, Studio 52 or something? <laughs> 54. 54. Right. And I'm just saying that he's rocking the whole night away with them you know and it's just that's what bluff is all about and people really under you know underrate it they use it they use it to lie but it's always the the pathetic lies you know i mean it's it's the it's the concept of if you if you want to infiltrate someplace make sure you're wearing the perfect clothing grab a clipboard maybe a part and start working around with a purpose no one will bother you let me all right so so i work in engineering Right, and I have done a lot of field work. And if you put, in most cases, if you put a hard hat on and a roll of blueprints under your arm, you can go anywhere, and nobody will say anything to you. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times, like I was not stopped by anybody, and I would look at the guy I was working with, and I go, "What? I I can't believe no one has asked us what the heck we're doing." I mean, really. And it's like, because we, we look like we're supposed to be there doing what it is we're doing. I could have been anybody. Especially, you know, it's, it's the old thing. If, also, you can, you, can hope, you can hope and pray for, or if you're on this side of the wall, then you, you were always on this side of the wall. Right. Situation too, because there's no way you could have gotten in otherwise, you know. Right, right, exactly. If you if the if the big doors close in Cheyenne Mountain and you're inside, you were meant to be in there. Sure. Yeah, it's like it's like you're walking around there like uh was Matthew Broderick when he was in there. Yeah. Uh in war games. And they you know, they they catch him walking around. It's like, Well, you better get back with that group that you were with. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. They just assumed he was yeah. with that group. Like, and why wouldn't they? I mean, 
where else would this guy have come from and just appeared inside of the base? Right, not to mention the fact how young he was, so therefore he couldn't be a spy or something. Yeah. Oh, by the way, for the youngins out there, we're talking war games starring a very young Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yes, and if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's awesome. Yes. Be amazed by how ancient the computers are. It doesn't matter. It was such a good movie. It, uh, the, the movie itself stands up. When CDs were floppy. You know, one of the things I guess we, I would really like to go back over, and I think uh, we should, you know, for, for people listening to this, because we're spitballing this, there's no rules for this. We're just, we came up with the idea today, and we're just hammering this out. Right. Well, okay. First of all, if you're really going to do this, okay, for that you know, we're talking a, a basically a parallel game to Fringeworthy, the exploration game, okay? So, and that's going to take a lot of work on your GM to do all that. On the other hand, if this is just something that you want to add to your game, then the GM is going to start handing you information, and you've got to be willing to go with it, okay? I mean, you just got to be willing to just, you know, just you know believe him whatever he says because you know he's going to be probably pulling stuff out from all kinds of stuff that you don't even know about there's secret agencies and there are double and triple agents and there are people for, you know coming in from you know it could even be Meller standing there trying to get stuff because they got their own agenda too they, they got their own agents you know uh, it could be anything and so if you want this to be part of your game, then you got to be ready to listen to what pe- what the GM's telling you and take a lot of what he says at face value, at least as far as say, here's some information that we don't want to. I don't want to explain where it came from, but it might be helpful to you. So go ahead. And yes, he is sending a great big huge plot hammer your direction. But that's what I'm saying. You know, if you get into a situ- uh, situation with spies, you're going to deal with one percent of knowing what's going on and the rest of the 99 is above your pay grade. So you just got to, you got to go with it. That's what real spies do. Yeah. In fact, thinking about it, uh, one thing that real spies do is that, well, uh, sometimes they're embedded, blatantly embedded with a group. You know, you do an escort, you do an escort mission. You got to escort these guys to alt, Six alt sixteen uh, uh zero zero alt you know sixteen zero uh, sixteen two and he's and you help him in, help him get in there but once he's in there you can leave you can just forget about him afterwards but you're doing the escort mission because they can't waste any any uh, other people to help get him there in the first place so you're doing an escort mission and the place he needs to get to is about a hundred miles from the portal and you gotta make sure he gets gets where he needs to go the GMs that are really gonna get into this that they realize. Yes, I want to run a fringe espionage game. What agency would, what sub agency would this be based out of? Would this be out of the Interdimensional Security Council, the Interdimensional Advisory Council, or the Security Advisory? Or as I said, or it could even be the GM's choice could be completely independent of of UNITA. It could be actually under direct, direct control of the Security Council, which is why. Uh, be honest, that's the way a lot of things work in the UN. When the World Health Organization needs security someplace where you have doctors, they don't have their own private security. They get UN peacekeepers who are independent of them. So basically, IDIA would answer to the Security Council only. Well, yeah, because they're, they're a political unit, and UNITA is a non-political unit. I mean, be, be blunt, spying is, 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 is politics. 
those who want to try this campaign, the IDIA is answerable only to the Security Council of the UN, which means it's, you know, the five permanent members and then whatever rotating members that are in there, which I think the primary ones are the U.S., Britain, France, Russia, and either China or Japan. China. China. Those five, and then there's a few rotating ones that have like a, a set term, then they're out, and somebody else comes in. That's who the IDIA is answerable to only. Yeah, if you want to. Now, or, or you can roll them underneath the UNITA banner. So whichever way you want to run them, because uh, you can justify it either way. You know, you can say they have to be under UNITA because that's UNITA's purview. Or you can say no because they're political. They have to be under the UN Security Council. You can argue either case. These are people that act outside the normal structure to get things done. So, yeah, I see them as Security Council. Well, yeah, understand this, because there is no uncle. There is no, you know, there is, there, you know, there, there is nothing like this. So you'd be handing a, a SBI agency to the United Nations. All the people who are afraid of black, uh, black helicopters would be running for the bunkers at that point. <laughs> Yeah, imagine interdimensional spies. It's like, they're not even just spies. They're interdimensional spies with, like, magic items and stuff. Well, and if you're the GM, I would highly recommend reading anything uh, in the Retief series. Because, first of all, they're very funny stories. And secondly, you know, it, it shows how the people who are on the top don't make, you know, you, they're not the ones that this thing, these sorts of things happen with. They're not the ones who get the job done. It's the undersecretaries. It's the guys, you know, that are, you know, saying, look, this needs to get done, but we don't want to embarrass our bosses. So we're just going to take care of it ourselves. These are the guys that this is how it happens. It's on the QT. You know, it's, it's a friend of a friend. You know, it's, you know, using the, uh, uh, dark net or whatever else you want to use to get it done, and the, and it can come from the most unlikely of places. Yeah, and the Retief series is by Keith Longer. Yes, yes. He's also the one that wrote Bolo, so he's you know he's so he's spying two different you know giant cybernetic tanks and spies. Right, and and the rule of thumb is that if the most beautiful uh, woman or guy that you've ever met. Who you know wants to sleep with you? They're a spy. <laughs> so I never, you know, I never read. Um, never happened to me. I never, I never read the, the spycraft <laughs> uh, books. I, 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 oh, I think I played in one con adventure spycraft, but um, I heard it's awesome. I heard it's v- like like one of the better books out there for role playing spy stuff. Have you are you guys familiar with spycraft? I, I think I have a couple of the books, maybe the first edition and some PDFs, that's it. But but I hear it's amazing. Yeah. There's a certain license that used the spy craft, the the sci-fi series that shall not be named here. They went up the spy craft engine. And there's about six or seven books from that. Because I actually just got done playing a... Um... Uh, in a super a super spy game, uh, but it was the uh, the TSR one from back in the seventies, eighties. Wait, 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 wait! Don't tell me. Hold on. Is it is it uh, spies, private eyes, and oh, what was that game? Mercenary spies and private eyes. No, 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 no. Just top secret. 
Okay, regular top secret. Okay, it was top secret SI, which was one of the later editions. Right. And yeah, we had we had a great time in that game because we were we weren't spies. We were being recruited, and we were being recruited through our mission. So yeah, it was it was hilarious. <laughs> but but like you can use all that. I mean, I would personally just because again be, because TriTech. This is not an official TriTech thing yet. I, I could force. I am foreseeing a future product, but until that point, yeah. <laughs> where's Trav going? <laughs> but until that point, um, I would say just mine all the the, the spy role playing stuff that that's out there because apparently there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Oh yeah, like I said, there's there, there's fantastical and and prosaic. You know, you can actually I think some there are some spy stuff out there that isn't James Bondish. I think actually, I think the top secret actually wasn't very James Bondish. It was fairly, I would call it m- more like James Le- James Lecar Le- 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 type spy spying. What? Yes. yes. It wasn't. Ja- no, James James what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the guy who wrote Tinker Tinker Sol- Soldier Spy. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> I think he was like, <laughs> wow, I came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, trust us. Between the four of us, we've got our hands right near the Wayback Machine at all times between the four of us. Just letting you know. Yeah. Actually, actually, if you play Ian, if you read Ian Fleming's James Bond's books, you realize, okay, the first early books, first early short stories are more or less straight spy, spy thrillers. It, it wasn't until he sold the rights to the movies that he actually got kind of funny with some of the stories. You know, like Moonraker. He would never have written it if it hadn't been for the James Bond movies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as, as I understand, I'm, and again, I, I have never actually read an Ian Fleming novel. Uh, James Bond was a very different character than is portrayed in the movies. The current James Bond is very close. The- yeah, I gotta say, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a sociopath. But but he, he's a loyal British sociopath. <laughs> yeah, for, and from my yeah right from my understanding, Daniel Craig is the closest James Bond has ever been to James Bond. Probably. So all right, so hey, let's let's wrap it up, man. And then put away someplace safe. Right, right, and don't tell anybody because the first rule of <laughs> the first rule of rule of Spy Club is there's no Spy Club. That's right. All right. So take everything that we sent you, photocopy it in triplicate, and burn them under the light of the moon and bury the ashes. Or you can eat it like like Maxwell Smart, right? Unless, of course, you've got the cone of silence. What was that? I can't hear you, Bruce. You have the cone of silence on? <laughs> All right, John. Now it's your turn to do the close since you interrupted me three times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I suck at closes. I know, so go for it. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait. It, 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 no, I'm going. I'm going to put on Peter because he's the one who came up with this one. Yeah. All right. Hey, I can. I can do that. All right. So. So uh, this is this is something that has never you know we've never talked about before was uh, you know secret agencies and 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 private eyes and spies and w- with the fringe paths and uh, but but we found out through our discussions and and just came out of nowhere that it's not only something that's likely it's essential so it can add a whole new level to your game 
at Earth Prime on different worlds. It's a whole different role. I mean, completely new angle to to, to playing Fringeworthy, and uh, we're very excited about it. And we're we're hoping that uh, you know that we can we can talk about this more uh, on our forums and our Facebook page. Uh, we're very excited about this, and maybe maybe we'll come out with a supplement for it at some point. I think Trav's very excited at this. Maybe we should we should recruit Trav to do this. He's 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 very <laughs> and he's looking at. I can see Trav because we're doing this video this time. Go get yourself a, bu- a bunch of your uh, uh, spy books that you can you can mine from. Uh, convert them over to whatever fringeworthy system you're using, whether it be a Savage World system or a D20 system or the original blue set. Um, convert it over, steal ideas, mine it. And uh, do some uh, fringe spying. But uh, until then, you never saw us or heard us talk about this ever. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game. Hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait, you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction. No derivatives. And sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.